Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. B. Mitchell Philly, 1067 The Fan. JP will be here a little, bit, a little shortly. Join us now. It's our guy, Pete Haley, at Peter Haley NBCS. What's up, Pete? How you doing, brother? Hello, Brian Mitchell, and uh, a future hello to JP whenever he joins us. Yeah, whenever he joins us. You know, he, he tries to do 5,000 jobs at one time, and he wonder why he always stressed out. But anyway, <laughs> how, how was your weekend of football, brother? It was great. I mean, I saw you and JP on, uh, what was that, Saturday evening while yeah. the Jaguars and Chargers were engaged in a heck of a football game. Uh, and then Sunday, I hung out with Mitch Tischler at a nice little uh, spot there in Bethesda for the Giants-Vikings game. And I watched the Ravens-Bengals game at home, and that game was the game where I put my single biggest career bet in, and it won. The Ravens covered, go. and that was my biggest bet ever, so I'm a happy guy. Well, PJP was asking questions. We put out the thing earlier. What what game had you feeling some kind of way? Was it the Cowboys just destroying Tampa, or was it the Giants going into Minnesota and beating the Vikings? So JP posed that on our podcast, and his reasoning in taking the Giants is that he felt like the commanders are better than the Giants, and also it's a bit perturbing to watch the Giants turn their season around, their fortunes around in just one season when Ron Rivera has taken three-plus years to do so. So I get taking the Giants, but I find the Giants to be like that cute, uh, plucky underdog that isn't really too harmful. They're just kind of hanging around with the adults, and soon they'll be dismissed. I was more annoyed by the Cowboys because they were paired with an opponent that really was just a complete mess, and the Cowboys, in winning that game so handily, might have found uh, the momentum they need to go on a deep postseason run, and everybody in this area knows how unbearable Cowboys fans are. Unfortunately, there's a lot of them that live in this area and mm-hmm. also just live around the country. So if the Cowboys are able to do something serious, it's going to be really, truly a miserable experience. So I take the Cowboys over the Giants. But it's surely not great to see three NFC's teams alive and be the one that's sitting on the sidelines regardless. Yeah, when you look at the Giants, though, I know we keep saying we're a better team than them. But, you know, you don't play games on paper. <laughs> you, play, you play games on the football field. And they faced us twice. What's even crazier, I would add, about the Giants, of the NFC East teams, the Commanders beat the Cowboys and the Eagles, yeah, but couldn't beat the damn there Giants. There you go. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, and 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 that is, you know, I honestly, we talk so much about coaching here with how Ron Rivera's handled this thing, and it's a little bit different because he's also the de facto GM, so he's constructed the team. He's not just making on-field decisions or lineup decisions on a week-to-week basis. However, as fun as it is to complain about coaching and pin blame on the guys on the sideline. 
Um, it's mostly about players, but in the Giants' case, I do think that's an example of where coaching really has made an impact and where you can get angry as a Commanders fan. Like, what? That guy, Brian Dayball doesn't have a very good roster, and he's elevated everything, and he's figured out a way to maximize it. So while I think most of the time complaining about coaching is annoying and it's really just who has the best quarterback, and if you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to look like a good coach regardless of who you are. In this instance, yes, Ron Rivera is getting out-coached, out-strategized by Brian Dable, and that is incredibly vexing for commander supporters. But I, I, think, uh, I think every year when we look at coaches, like I think people automatically assume if you have a lot of talented players, you should never, ever be one thought of to be like coach of the year. But I've been around a lot of talented players, and they are the toughest to deal with. They, they, they have the biggest egos. They think they know everything. So a coach that can get those guys to buy into something and begin to work as a team, he's better than the coach that – when you got a bunch of guys that's just not that good, and you say, if y'all lose, you know y'all going home, that's all you got to say. They're going to play harder. But the guys that's already good with the contract, has a little bit of reputation, they don't like listening. And when the coach can get them to buy into it, I have to say that that coach is as good as any. This is where your experience as an, a fantastic football player comes in handy because you've seen the behind-the-scenes nonsense that coaches have to deal with and manage oh, and yeah. when it comes to getting guys to practice and getting guys to pay attention to meetings and execute these assignments. You're right. It's a lot easier for Dayball to tell Isaiah Hodgins and uh, you know Matt Breida how to play football than it is for uh, certain coaches to manage these divas or these guys with really big egos like an Odell Beckham, for example, even yeah. though he's not on a team right now. So I hear you on that. Um, but, yeah, it, regardless, um, I think, you know, you look at the other way, like JP's favorite coach to hate on in the NFL is Brandon Staley. That guy has a ton of talent on his roster, and he can't get them to advance to the playoffs or win a playoff game at this stage. So, yes, I'm not completely discounting coaches. There are examples all over of good coaches doing poorly and poor coaches screwing things up even more, and then other coaches elevating things. There's examples all over. But I think mostly, and in the terms of uh, the NFL specifically, it comes down to the one position, and it's the one position the commanders have been looking for for 25 years. And if they had a better quarterback, if they had drafted Justin Herbert, I think Ron Rivera would be looking a lot better than uh, the eight or nine guys Rivera's had to employ instead. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback position then. You, you've taken us there. We're talking with our friend Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. You can give him a follow at Pete Haley, NBCS. Haley spelled with an I. Um, Sam Howell. There was a report over the weekend that Sam Howell is QB1. Um, <laughs> is Sam Howell QB1 or is Sam Howell the one QB on the roster right now? <laughs> that is a brilliant way to spin that around. Uh, yes, he is the one QB on the roster. When you're interviewing OCs, and they're coming in, you're not going to say, tell us how you'd like to see this offense built around Carson Wentz, because Carson Wentz is not going to be here. And whether Heineke is back or not, you're not going to ask them to construct a game plan around Heineke, because he's not the future guy. Howell is the only one who could be someone that you rely on for a while, and it is a worthy exercise to ask Pat Shermer and whoever else is going to end up looking at this job. Show us what you think Howell can do. How would you build around him? Do you think there's something there? That's good. You can get outside intel, and maybe they tell you some things you haven't been thinking about. But this does not mean in any way that Sam Howell is uh, the starter in week one in September. And I don't even know if he has the inside track. He's just the only one on the track. But there's still so much uh, moving and shaking that is going to happen with various rosters. There's going to be the names we expect a quarterback to shake free. There's going to be names we don't know or don't foresee there's going to be draft guys who rise and fall there's going to be so many more options and also just for Ron Rivera's sake like he may 
end up having to go with Howell, but with where he is in the coaching tenure and how much heat is on him, I doubt taking a fifth rounder with one career start is the most appealing way to put his uh, job on the line with. Like, he's going to want someone with a little more pedigree. I don't know if he can get that, but, uh, yeah, right now he's the one QB. He is not the QB one. How much is, is this some gamesmanship from Ron? Because you remember he was talking earlier. Last year he came out and he said, we have to go get a quarterback. And in a sense, I think they were forced to have to sign uh, Carson and look what that look how that worked out. He was talking earlier last week saying we have to go get quarterback one. And that's basically telling people you go and look for a quarterback. And then he follows that up this week or when the report comes out, that, oh, no, no, Sam's our number one. Is he trying to throw people off? You can never rule that out with Ron, and I don't – I'm not discounting that he does try to do that at times. Like he, he, like a lot of coaches are paranoid and wants to uh, say one thing and do the other. But we've reached the point with Ron where he just talks so much and does so many interviews and has so many of these reports coming out that I don't think he's trying to be coy. I just think it's, it's like disorganization almost, or it, it, there's no real point behind it. He's just throwing everything out there. And uh, he's not even really sure what he believes in right now, because when he sits at the podium, and JP is asking about Cam Curl's extension, and Ron wants to pretend like saying Cam Curl is good is going to completely screw over the commanders when it comes to negotiating that contract. That's not a smart guy who's really locked in and thinking next-level stuff. That's a dude who's just holding on and barely has a clue of what's going on. So um, I don't think, Brian, this is um, Ron playing chess. I think we made a joke in that media room that when Ron tries to play chess, Sometimes he still takes out a checker set and plays chess with it and then just ends up looking extremely foolish. So in this regard, I don't think there's any gamesmanship. I think it's just Ron is trying like hell to figure out where to take this team and he's not really sure what to land on. I See, I don't – I think he doesn't care. I think he knows that he has to just go, get that end-of-season press conference done and he just kind of says whatever he wants and knows that it has no bearing on what's – they're going to do over the course of the next six weeks, especially this offseason where there's so much influx. Uh, talking with our friend Pete Haley here, NBC Sports Washington, Washington Football Talk podcast. Um, w- one of the situations beyond quarterback that's in flux, and, and these things are kind of tied together, but it is the offensive coordinator. You get rid of Scott Turner last week, and I think you were – I think you were pretty vocal in support of the move. I, I think Brian and I kind of saw it more as a scapegoat thing than the right thing, but I don't know that Scott did enough to to make it impossible to fire him either. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of where they're going next. The commanders announced today that they're bringing in Pat Shermer for an interview. I kind of think he's going to get the job. Um, who would you like to see get the job, and who do you think will get the job? I could see it being Shermer or someone of that recycled. Like I know they're looking at Daryl Bevel, some of these coordinators and coaches who've been around the block, and you and you hear about them. And I'm not going to predict that Shermer's going to be an awful hire. I don't know enough about his whole career, but I do know that people who I follow and respect and read from and 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 care about their opinions, guys like Shermer and like Daryl Bevel and like say a Mike Shula or a Chudzinski who are guys who have been tied to Rivera but not necessarily this job yet, they're, they're names that people just almost seem to smirk at and, and are always angry with because of what they're doing. I mean, Daryl Bevel has one of the worst play calls in NFL history under his belt with not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the goal line. Like These are names that have stains on them, 
and that wouldn't really get fans fired up. But I think because of everything that's swirling around the franchise, it will be a guy like that, someone who Ron is familiar with and who has a long resume, even if that resume isn't very illustrious. So I'm with you on Shermer. Um, or I've also been thinking that I could see Ken Zampezi ending up being the guy just because they interview all these people on the outside. None of them are that impressive or want the job that badly. And they say, you know, we'll keep our system in place and we'll just use the quarterback's coach who's been here uh, as the OC and maybe he has a different spin on things but can call the same kinds of plays. For me, I like your suggestion of the Rams assistant, Thomas Brown. I like giving guys who are quarterbacks coaches like this Charles London guy in Miami. Um, names that you haven't exactly heard of because – Worst comes to worst, they are a Pat Shermer-like coach, and they're here for one year, and then you blow out the entire regime and you start over. But maybe they have a new a new way of, of running an offense or new ideas, and I just don't want someone who's going to be a retread. This organization needs new blood. And when you look at the defense, Del Rio is a guy that Rivera never really worked with. Jeff Scanina, who took over for Rivera's buddy and Sam Mills, had that defensive line playing well. It's good to have some coaches who are not completely in lockstep with your head coach. You don't want infighting all the time. You don't want just complete chaos, but you want coaches with different ways of doing things. And I think an OC or a quarterback's coach who gets hired to be an OC who has never really been around this coach or this franchise would be a step, but I am not expecting that to happen. I could be, see it being Shermer or Shula, and uh, it could be an SH show in another way, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, Lord. What, um, what's <laughs> the most important thing that happens between now and March 15th for the Commanders? March 15th being the new league year. Um, yeah, it, I think it's going to be rumors or, or discussions about Deron Payne, and it's one way or the other. Of course, you'd like to have him here, but I don't think you can just completely break the entire bank for him, and maybe that's what it's going to have to be to get Payne to stay is to break that entire bank. So maybe it's a franchise tag, but just their direction on him I think matters because – uh, Deron Payne and John Allen, they were actually an Alabama wall this year. That nickname's been used in the past, but this year it was justified. And when those two are together, they really solidify the entire defense and they can just wreck games, and it's really fun to watch them. So is that someone this team values? Ron's talked about valuing defensive tackles a lot, but will Ron be able to keep that guy with what's going on above him? Uh, will Payne be uh, amenable to a franchise tag or, or thoughts of that? So I think looking at just his situation will be really intriguing. I mean, whatever rumors come out about quarterback and if we get movement on the ownership, of course, will be really big. But that's stuff that people have heard about and listened to the show all the time for. So moving a little bit down the list, I really am uh, wondering what they're going to do about Deron Payne because it's tough with Sweat and Young also coming up. You're going to run out of money eventually, I would think. And uh, while Payne justifies a big contract, I don't know if the commanders are the ones who can really give it to him. They want to. They have to have someone who's who's able to look at it and see what effect it will have in a year or two. And it will, couldn't they go anywhere else and and move forward? Because I think they they were planning to let him go until everything went awry. I guess they. Dude, I think I want to credit correctly. I think it was Standig, but I know I heard some whispers. I mean. They were talking about trading him last year at the draft and yeah. trading him before the and season then started. Then they drafted the kid uh, from Alabama, and he yeah. got hurt, and then yeah. they then he had it this year. Now they may be pressed to try something, but I don't know. What does what your gut tell you where Payne is playing next year? Here or the field? The field. Pete? Here on the tag. I don't think a long-term deal in Washington. I think that's the third most likely. It's tag here, long-term deal elsewhere, and then big gap, and then long-term deal here. I mean, 
here's the thing with the tag, dude. If I think they'd have to announce the tag. I want to say it's March 9th. I think you get a week before the league year opens. I don't mm-hmm. don't don't quote me on that, but it's somewhere in there. Um What's that tag going to be? I, I mean, I think that tag is a is a quick twenty mil guaranteed. Hmm. Yes, yeah, it's. I think it's nineteen or twenty. But if you if Hal goes from the one QB to the QB one, then you can just say, all right, we got rid of Carson, we kept Duran on the tag, and we have a few more million to spend elsewhere, and it can kind of wash your hands that way. That's yeah, but you got to build offensive line. Maybe you can't, can. but what you I was, can't go with a depleted offensive line again. If this sure. sale is really happening. In early March, do you want to have to cut a $20 million check? Because that thing's got to go into escrow. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't yeah, matter because you're going to get it right back. But mm-hmm. I, I think, dude, when, when Ron and Martin talked about the budget at the season-ending presser, that stood out to me because it seemed kind of weird. And Very weird. I, I think we just got to be kind of aware of that. Like, I don't think decisions – I, I mean, one of the most laughable things, I think, is the amount of photoshops I see of Lamar Jackson in a commander's uniform. Um, <laughs> laughable on a, on a series of levels, but the biggest, Lamar wants to get paid. There are rumors that he wants a fully guaranteed deal, even if it's not fully guaranteed. A Lamar contract is landing at probably $200 million guaranteed, 185 guaranteed. You think they're cutting that check right now? The answer no, is we, hell we, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we see how that facility looks. We see certain improvements this franchise can make on a much smaller scale, and they're hesitant to do that. So, yes, budget is a word my girlfriend and I use when we're looking for, like, a new coffee table you in our apartment. It's not one in fine. NFL it's not one an NFL franchise should be saying, not that word, but it's a, it's on Rivera's mind, and that's just another complicating factor for this very crucial offseason. It feels to me like a like a kick in the can kind of mm-hmm. offseason. Do you get the yeah. same feel? Yeah. I just think it's it's so much uncertainty going on, and we don't. It's gonna be strange. All right, Pete. Appreciate your time, bud. All righty. Goodbye, boys. That's our guy, Pete Haley. Give him a follow at Pete Haley NBCS. What I want to do next, the commanders have a number of candidates they are interviewing for offense coordinator, or at least are reported to interview. Uh, let's run through them. Let's see what we like, and let's lean on our chief BS officer, Jim Andrew Mullins the 10th, to uh, to give us an honest scouting report on these fellas. Don't go anywhere. It's B. Mitchell Finley. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.